Um, a few years ago, actually, it's more than a few years ago. It's probably about ten years ago. I flew from London to Dublin on Ryanair, and I swear to God, it cost me less than fifty bucks. If I if I had to guess, I would say thirty nine dollars. And I'm not lying. Um, I double checked this morning. I went on, and I checked how much does it cost to fly from London Heathrow to Dublin? Fifty two dollars. Okay, today you can fly from London to Dublin, fifty two bucks in the states. Lots of places where you can get really ultra cheap airfares like that. Same with Europe. Um, here, it's just not like that. You can't. Uh, we we're just talking to Jaden. He wants to fly to Kelowna at the end of the month. Two hundred fifty bucks. Two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, it was two hundred fifty dollars, and the flare flight was not that much better. Honestly, not at all. It's yeah. Well, I mean, this is the competition. This is the way it's going to shake out now in this country. I mean, two hundred fifty bucks to go to Kelowna. Okay, I mean, yeah, that's where we are. Lots of Canadians, of course, scrambling this. We try to figure out how they're going to get home. The, the Lynx Air, they had tickets on. They flew them out on the weekend. They got them wherever they were going if they decided to go, but they were that was it. They, they closed down shop Monday evening. They we're finished. We're not flying anymore. So um, we're left with flair at this point. That's it. For low-cost carriers, um, you know, that build themselves as low-cost carriers in Canada, we're down to just flair. We had Swoop. That was bought up by WestJet. Um, now, I'm no aviation expert, but i got to think they're seeing the same issues over at Flair that these other ultra-low-cost carriers have run into. And I, I don't know, is the clock ticking? Does this business model work in our country? We're going to speak with Jonah Prusky, who is management consultant based in Toronto, focusing on data analytics and AI. Jonah, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Hi, Shay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you recently wrote a piece about the future of ultra-low-cost air in Canada uh, for the Globe and Mail. Um, it seems kind of like the impossible dream in this country, doesn't it? Like, we just can't seem to make this work. Yeah, that's correct. Um, and, I mean, there's a number of reasons why. Um, the country is obviously very large. The population is much smaller than a place like um, the U.S. or the EU, where this model works well. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's really a number of factors here to kind of sort through um, that make this market particularly challenging for ultra-low-cost carriers. I, I I don't think we could overlook that, right, in terms of just the, 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 the environment that they're operating. I mean, the state of California has more people than Canada. So if you want to talk about a simple supply and demand equation, you can see pretty simply short distances, tons of people exist. Eastern seaboard, same thing, right? Europe, same thing. Canada is an entirely different setup. We're huge, and there's just not a lot of people. Yeah, that's correct, right? And, um, you know, you have to think Links Air executives knew this going in. Um, you know, they right. had a really talented and um, experienced management team. They were backed by um, Intco partners who had success with Wizz Air in the EU um, and Frontier in the US. Um, but yeah, just like you said, right? So if you look at a place like the EU, um, take London, right? There's probably a dozen major flight hubs within a two hour yeah. uh, flight from. From there, right, whereas in Toronto, you're looking at three, four, five-hour flight times from a place like Toronto to destinations like Calgary or Vancouver, and that um, ratchets up costs, right? So you have to pay your staff more, fuel costs go up, so the market itself was just challenging to begin with. Yeah, for sure. And then there's added things that we, and we've talked about the problem with air travel in this country before. And I've spoken with people that, you know, are involved with errands and they say, you got to start looking at the government. You got to start looking at airports, like the cost that they pay in this country. Are they really that out of whack with everybody else, Jonah? Yeah, so they are. Um, and this is really kind of the most contentious part of the story. Um, and it depends really who you ask. You'll get a different, you'll get a different response. 
Um, so the simple answer is in Canada, we pay uniquely high uh, aviation infrastructure fees. So in a place like the United States, the major airports are government funded. The government spends you know, billions to um, fund aviation infrastructure projects, whereas in Canada, the government owns the land that the major airports are situated on, um, but those airports are administrated and operated by nonprofit organizations who pay rents to the government for using that land. Um, in 2022, I think the government made a half a billion dollars in rents and reinvested right, very little back into those, those airports. So to fund airport improvements and other infrastructure, um, those nonprofit organizations levy fees and taxes on the airlines who subsequently pass those fees off to air travelers. So Canadians can do this experiment the next time they book um, you know, an, a, a ticket to fly somewhere, they can look at the detailed breakdown of their fare. And they'll see that in some cases, as much as like half of the fare they're paying is just going to you know, security fees and airport improvement fees and, and all the rest. That's unbelievable. Half of the cost of your ticket could be that kind of stuff? Yeah, that's that's the case. Um, but there is, I mean, there is at least something to like about this model. So consider that, you know, here in Canada, the, the, those who fly pay for our airports, right? So you can imagine in the U.S., right, if you're a general taxpayer, I mean, you're funding yeah. Yep. air travel, even though you, you might not fly. But the, the offshoot, right, is that air travel is just much more expensive in this country. I mean, is that just the reality? I mean, we, we constantly, constantly demand that um, air, co- air air travel be cheap, right? That that the pressure that air, every airline is under. We complain about the cost of air travel. Have we gotten to a point where we've just made the model unsustainable for these companies? They 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 know what the demand is, but there is a certain cost to to do business in this country as an airline, and uh, we're just going to have to, as consumers, say, you know what, this it is what it is. We're going to have to pay it. I mean. Is that the reality we're facing here? Yeah, so it sure looks that way, right? So Lynx is not alone um, in its fate. Um, so prior to that, right, Swoop was absorbed by WestJet last year. Um, the company was absolved under the WestJet banner, and the CEO of WestJet, Alexis von Harnsbruch, in a very telling blog post basically said, you know, we tried this model. It just didn't work. Um, so Swoop is no longer... Right, and that leaves Flair, um, right? And there are some questions about the health of that company. Um, they've announced that they've retrenched quite significantly in the last year, so they're focusing on their kind of core operations while they pay off what is quite a significant mounting debt obligation. Um, you might recall that they had four planes seized um, earlier at some point last year, again, because of um, lease payments that they hadn't paid. So, yeah, the evidence certainly indicates that this model is not really working in the Canadian market. Do you think Flair makes it, or is it just borrowed time for them, and sooner or later they're going to be in the same position as Lynx and Swoop and any of the other ones you want to mention? <laughs> yeah, truthfully, I don't know. I, I wouldn't really <laughs> like to wager a, a prediction there, but, I mean, the, the evidence is certainly working against yeah. them, I'll say that. Yeah, the writing might be on the wall, but hopefully not, because we do like to have the low-cost options. Jonah, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, Jonah Bruski, who is management consultant based in Toronto, focusing on data analytics, artificial intelligence. I think the reality here, um, and we talk about it when it comes to cell phone service, and I mean, it's the competition, 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 but we need to be 
cognizant of the fact that operating in this country is entirely different than like anywhere else, literally anywhere else. I mean, just think, like I said, the state of California has more people than our entire country does. The eastern seaboard of the United States, millions and millions and millions and millions of people with, I don't know, 10, 12 major cities all within an hour or two flight of each other. Like, if you want to run an airline, you have this huge, huge, huge pool of people that will be available to use your service and you're going very, very short different distances. I mean, if you're in Edmonton, the shortest flight you can make to a major city is Calgary. Um, and then, you know, you're off to Vancouver and, and Winnipeg. And I mean, it's just, we're so spread out and, and the population is so dispersed that it's tough. It's tough to be an air carrier in this country. And, and they know that people complain about the cost of air travel. So they know that they're under an intense pressure to try and keep ticket prices low. And they're competing you know, in a way, sort of on a global scale, because we look and we say, wait a minute, I can fly from London to Dublin for 52 bucks. How can they could do it? So I just think we might have to come to a realization here fairly soon that um, unless things change drastically, that's the way it's going to be. Although I think this is an interesting angle. And I know we've had other experts and aviation industry experts on the air talking about the airlines are doing what they can in a lot of cases. They're not perfect. You know, I've got issues with airlines, but what they're forced to deal with, the framework, the regulatory issues they deal with, the airport costs that they deal with, all the rest of that stuff. Like it's again, another example of government getting in the way of business, right? Business could do a better job. They could serve their customers better, more cheaply. However, because of the costs and the fees and the administration and the bureaucracy and the red tape they have to deal with, the costs go up. So I think that's something we need to focus on. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone. And for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.